And again, good morning uh, to everybody. And good to have everybody here this morning. Uh, if you're following us on Facebook Live or YouTube, we're certainly glad to have you here with us as well. And we welcome you just as we would any other church family member and, and happy to be here. And it's always a privilege to share uh, in God's word with you. Uh, well, you know, a few years ago, uh, I, I said, are we happy that the election is over? Well, uh, and not everybody was happy with that outcome, if we remember the last time. And, and we seemed, as this election year continues to move forward, uh, they're still not happy with the outcome. And, and we see a lot of objection uh, moving forward. Uh, but uh, it's good that we will cast our votes coming in November, and our votes will be counted, and the winner will be determined. And certainly we want to, uh, to be in prayer for our election process. Uh, I've seen a couple of quotes about this nation possibly being in revival. And if you look at social media, you would see that there's a lot of people making references, uh, maybe more so than usual, maybe not, because I never really paid that great attention to social media prior to this COVID-19 deal. And, but you do see a lot of references to, to scripture and prayer and asking people to pray for our nation and, and certainly to pray for uh, our military and our uh, law enforcement. And, and all of those are valid prayer requests, certainly any time that, uh, that we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, the election will be evidence of that, but maybe it is. Maybe we are beginning to wake up and see things here in America uh, that uh, for too long that we have really been quiet about things. I, I, I will say we need revival in this country. I think the past few sermons is, is pointed toward that, and, and uh, we're going to continue kind of on this morning in that theme. Turn with me, if you will, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And it reads this, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Now, when we read that, of course, that's the Lord speaking and not Rob. But if you read the that last line, We will not walk therein, and that's talking about his people, the children of Israel at that time being his people. Now we know that since Christ has come, all that who have accepted Christ as their Savior fall into that category. But when we read this advice from God himself, uh, we have to ask ourselves personally, number one, do I take that advice? Am I seeking out the old paths that, that are the good ways to go? And then us as a nation in the same way. Let's read that again, now that I've kind of framed that a little bit. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, if, if God, and it ain't no if, God's saying that. God's advising all people, all of his followers, all of his children, as we know we're adopted into that family through the blood of Christ. Let us not any longer be an individual or a nation that says, as it says in the last line, but they said we will not walk therein. 
And that's what we have to be resolved to do. Because I believe what we're seeing in our country today uh, is in fact proof that we have failed to, re to remember what history has happened. And we're repeating that. Our country, our, the United States, has a short history. When you look at its age versus other, other cultures and civilizations in the world, we're babies 244 years. But when we look back to the wisdom of God's word, uh, the children of Israel, and see how that they went up and down and up and down over thousands of years, we see that we are repeating some of the same mistakes that they repeat, that they, that they made. So this morning I want to look at back, getting back to the old ways, to look at four steps to restore the foundation, and that's not only for our nation, but that's for us as individuals as well. Four steps to restore a foundation, because we know without a solid foundation, a building will crumble. Anytime we build a house or some other kind of structure, we pay a lot of attention to making sure that that foundation is good and strong and well-built and well-reinforced because we know that that's what holds the whole structure into place. And this nation's foundation, if you go back and read in history and read some of your historical documents, this nation was founded on Christianity belief of God and I believe that foundation is being chipped away at and that brings us to our first point that we do not as Christians we do not put our faith or hope in politics or a party and that's as we're coming closer to an election uh, season I, I, uh, November I realize but it's amazed me the reaction of some people across this nation with the events we've seen. And many people speculate that all of this is going to go away in November. And if it does, we as an American people have a right to be very, very upset. But as Christians, what we do on November, whatever day, usually the 4th, but whatever day, I haven't checked to see if, what day election day is, 7th, somewhere in that neighborhood. How we vote as Christians makes a great deal of difference. I'm not going to say one party is better than another party. But I'm going to say this as far as Christians are concerned. If you are a Christian, I see no way that you can vote for any candidate that goes contrary to what the scriptures say. That's just as plain and simple as I'll get, and that's as political as I'll get. I saw a sign one time we were traveling at a church, and it read something like this. I place no hope in an elephant or a donkey. My hope is in a lamb. Now, that's our choices. If we have, if Christians have, have a symbol that we want to follow, it better be the Lamb, the Lamb of God, or the Lion of Judah, however you want to look at that. That's what we had better look to. But we as Americans, we have to, we exercise our right to vote. And we exercise our right to, to elect officials, to, to govern. But I just wonder if far too long that we haven't looked 
more like that last line of Jeremiah chapter 6 there. It says, we will not walk therein. We will not walk in the old path. It's almost like we don't want rest for our souls because that's what God promises is rest for the soul. Christians should have no hope in a political party. God only, Jesus only. Daniel Webster said this once and it's quoted. Whatever it is that makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. And that's what this nation was founded on. And there is nothing to be ashamed about, folks. Uh, nothing to be ashamed about of our heritage as Christians. Now, are we perfect? Nope. As a nation, we're not perfect, and as individuals, we're not perfect. But just like we mature in Christ, once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we get better. We move forward, we learn, we improve, we sin less, we put things behind us and move forward not to return to them, and our nation is no different. Did we start off perfect? Nope. Are we better off today than we, as a nation, we were 244 years ago? Certainly we are. And we'll, we'll be better people in the future if we heed to the words that God said, look to the old past and follow those ways. A good Christian will place his hope only in God. And we'll trust God for the, for the outcome. And that's what we have to be uh, reminded of. Just as Peter wrote in 2 Peter, I have several little scripture references today that we're going to look at that I want us to, to be reminded of. 2 Peter 11 through 17. And Peter here is writing specifically to us as Christians, servants of God. And here's some things for us to think about that he, and I'm just going to read this, okay? 2 Peter, 1 Peter, I'm sorry. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17. Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which warreth against the soul. Have your conversations honest among the Gentiles that where they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And as Forrest Gump said, that's all I have to say about that. Peter very much describes how we as Christians should behave, how we as Christians should conduct ourselves. I just read it. Now, here's what I want us to understand. 
besides not being part of a political party or worrying so much about that, we realize, of course, I hope as Americans that political party has done really uh, not been the ones guilty of doing a lot of damage over the past 50 years. We know that, don't we? I mean, ultimately, well, let me put it to you like this. Robert Bork, do you remember Robert Bork? Some of you older folks will remember. He was a United States uh, justice on the Court of Appeals out of Washington. He was pretty vocal back in the 80s. And he said this, our country is being radically altered step by step by justices who are not following any law. And the Supreme Court has made more changes to our nation. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy over a little old mask. And I'm not going to condemn you if you wear one, and I'm not going to condemn you if you don't wear one. But I know that I have heard more screaming and yelling and hollering and, and people getting seriously upset over wearing a mask. Well, let me say this. In 19, the 1960s, the Supreme Court took prayer out of school. Where was you yelling and screaming over that? In the 1970s, they made abortion the law of the land. Where was you screaming and yelling over that? In the 1980s, they took the Ten Commandments out of our schools. Where was you screaming and yelling and fighting and fussing over that? In the 1990s, the Supreme Court voted that they could not regulate pornography on the Internet. Where was there screaming and yelling and anger over that? In 2010s, they said that same-sex marriage was going to be the law of the land in our nation. Where was there screaming and yelling and fussing and fighting over that? And now here in the 2020s, we're all being called racist. We're seeing rioting. We're seeing people tear down and pick away at the fundamentals that this nation was built up over. And it's under attack, and it will not surprise me if the Supreme Court does not end up making a ruling on this. So if it's, if this little thing right here is going to cause us to finally get up off our hind ends as a people and say enough is enough, then so be it for this little old piece of cloth. It's about time. It's just been 50 years. But ain't it a shame that it takes this to make us move? I mean, really. It makes my blood boil. A mask. Really. They have done more to destroy the foundations of this nation and we have sit quietly on our hands because we we're going to make sure we're going to vote the political party that suits me the best, that puts more money in my pocket, or gives me more free stuff. But oh no, I won't wear their mask. Really? So here's the thing. The next president that's elected, probably going to most likely will vote a point one and possibly two Supreme Court justices. Now we've seen that and had a lot of great hope that conservatives were put in and we've been disappointed, haven't we? So do we put our hope in a political party? No, we do not. We put our hope in the Lamb of God. And we do just like Peter said. I'm not going to argue with Peter. You remember he was the one that that uh, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church to, okay? 
What did Peter just tell us to do? To go about living our lives peaceable. We should have been screaming long before this come up, folks. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is not a fight of political parties. This is a fight of good and evil. And guess what? That's what it's always been. It has always been people that did not want to obey God, people that did not believe in God, people that wanted to believe in some other false God and want their way of life. It has always been that against folks of God's people. Bible says it. I'm not proclaiming some kind of new truth. I'm not revealing something that's not available to every person in the United States. You are free to walk into most retail stores and buy a Bible. And read it and follow it. So now that I've said this, just like I said a couple of weeks ago, what's the next point to restoring this foundation? Repentance. Repentance. And if I've seen this scripture posted on Facebook once, I've seen it a thousand times. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear their from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Well, are we willing to repent of our wicked ways in this nation? Allowing certain things, well, that don't really affect me. Well, they're going to give my... Uh, particular job or craft or company, a little extra money, and I'm going to get more money because this candidate supports this and this candidate supports that, and I'm going to have better retirement. And that's where we're at. And that's why we're there. Romans 2.21. And when you look and you think about what, what Paul writes here to the church at Rome, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? And that's what I find the hypocrisy uh, of, of a lot of what's going on today. And here's another thing that you'll see on Facebook a lot. This mask saves lives, Kentuckians' lives. Well, it probably does. But you know what else saves lives? When you shut down an abortion clinic, that saves lives. If you're really concerned about life, then why are we allowing abortions to happen? See what I'm saying? It's not that hard, folks. It's not that difficult. And that's what Paul's saying here. When thou sayest thou shalt not commit adultery, he goes on, does thou commit adultery? Thou abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? He goes on and continues on talking to the church at Rome. He says, you're saying one thing out of one side of your mouth, but you're doing something else over here. You're saying that Kentuckians' lives matter and we need to wear a mask to stop the spread. Well, let's just, let's, how about we counsel young women who are pregnant instead of leading them off to have their children killed? Repent of our wicked ways. 
Do you remember two, two little old cities back in the time of Abraham, Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you remember how many people God would have spared those cities for the sakes of? Remember, Moses kept whittling it down. Do we remember how many it was? Ten people. Ten people. For the sake of ten, God would have spared that whole evil place. How many did he find? Four. Remember, Lot and his wife and two daughters is all that come out of there. Well, the angels. But the four people is all that come out of there. And one of them, okay, 25% of them didn't want to leave because she looked back at what was there against the instructions of God or the angels. Do not look back. Remember what happened to her. So when we, if we decide, if we've had enough now, okay, if we've had enough as a nation, we cannot look back except to the old past. We can't say, oh, but it was so much better in America whenever this and that. It was so much better in America when we believed God was God and we were not ashamed to be called his people. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Or shame or disgrace, maybe some of your versions may have in there. So righteousness will exalt a nation. Sin is a disgrace to any people. We must repent and strive for righteousness individually and as a nation. And that's what we have to con continue to remember. That before we can get our nation right, we've got to get ourselves right. Individual. Because that's what Paul just wrote it to the church at Rome. He said, are you telling people not to steal and then you go steal? Well, then get yourself right first and then you can start talking to other people. Now, am I saying you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But I'm saying if you've got unrepented sin, you need to get that out of your life. You need to get that behind you and move forward. This nation is, we have proved it, okay? We have proved in 50 years, this nation, this government, though I'm not saying our government is bad, I think it's the best system of government on the planet, okay? But here's what it will not do. It will not take the place of God for our security. It cannot because it's made up of men. 2 Timothy 1.7 is our next point. Now that we've got a little bit of blood boiling, now that we've got, got a little bit of backbone, hopefully, what is it that we do next, Rob? I'm in. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have to believe that, folks. I can't fear anything because it's just like whenever they was told not to preach the gospel, what was, what was uh, Peter and John told? 
Whether we obey you or God, I'll leave that up to you, but I can't, I'm paraphrasing this, but I can do nothing else. In the face of possible death, they said they had to preach. We have to live our lives as Christians in every area of our life. We have no choice. And just as Paul wrote to Timothy here in this uh, verse 7, again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound of mind. And look all down there to, in verse 8. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. It may cost us a little discomfort. It may cost us a job. It may cost us losing something to stand up for what is right. And that is what is wrong with this nation. We have been afraid that we're going to lose some kind of material thing in order to move forward the fact that God says we need to get back on the old path so that we can have rest for our souls. And I've said this in the past and I'll say this in the future. I have not preached one single funeral where the hearse that I drive behind had a U-Haul trailer on the back of it for those possessions to go with that person. Not the first one. So if I lose everything, but I keep my salvation, I have lost nothing. We have to live courageous, and it's about time that our voices are heard. And it's about time that we stood up and praise God for a little old mask if that's what brings it about. Be courageous. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit like you like men, which means be brave, you like men. Be strong. That's what we have to be. We have to be brave. We have to be strong. We have to stand fast in the faith. Because some point in time, I'm, I don't really know, and there's no real single defining moment. It's happened over 50, 60 years. There has been a separation of who we were as a people to who we are as a people now. And that separation has been the crumbling of the foundation of the beliefs of our people. I'm not saying everyone that lives here has to be a Christian. That's never how this country was founded. But it was founded on Christian beliefs. I say the Christians have to speak up. We're supposed to be a majority in this nation. Maybe we're not anymore. And if we're not anymore, guess whose fault that is? It's our fault. Because we've compromised ourselves into the minority. Finally. Ephesians 3.20. If you want to mark a good scripture here for you to remember whenever things get, get to looking down, things get to looking bad. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be the glory through the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Be hopeful, folks. 
Because God can do anything. You don't think so? When you step outside, go out there and create you a tree. Create you a blade of grass. Make you a bird appear out of your hand. Like I said a few weeks ago, make dust from the Sahara Desert show up in Kiwi. All right? You don't think God can't do anything. Look at the diversity of our world, of our creation. The animals, the fish, the birds, us. We're all created in the image of God, but there's not a one of us unless you happen to be born a twin or you have what they call a doppelganger out there somewhere. We don't look the same, do we? But we are the same. All things are possible with God. And we have to believe that. I'm going to go back a few hundred years here in this country, a couple or a hundred and uh, ten, nine years ago. Two hundred and nine years ago. Everybody, anybody, and I know there's a couple of you going to be able to raise your hand. Anybody ever heard of the Cane Ridge Meeting House? Okay, just a few. Five. Six, seven of us. We've got about 38 here this morning. The Cane Ridge Meeting House. You ever heard of the Cane Ridge Revival? At best estimates, there was a revival happened at Cane Ridge up around Paris. 20 to 30,000 people attended this revival in 1801. You know how many people was in the state of Kentucky? In 1801, about 220,000 in the whole state. And about 10%, of course, you can't really say it was 10% of Kentucky because they came from all over, Southern Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia. They came to this revival. But what would be the equivalent of 10% of the population came to this revival in 1801. And it sparked the Christian church as we know it. Disciples of Christ, churches of Christ, and Christian churches. That's where it happened. It's possible for us to have a revival. But how you have revival is people that love God and believe God start living their lives like they do. And they live courageously. And they're not ashamed of the gospel because they realize and know, as Paul said, the gospel is the only thing that will lead someone to salvation. And they lead their life as a Christian, not only out here where people can see them, not just on Facebook where they can make a post and say, uh, if you believe, no one, and that kind of gets my goat now. If you're a real Christian, and this is me paraphrasing, you're not a Christian if you don't pass this, this thing along. If you don't share this. Well, I've got news for whoever puts those up there. I don't know how to share something on Facebook. <laughs> you ask Tony, he can tell you I'm as dumb as a day old duck on this stuff. All right? But I love God, and I love Jesus Christ. And I agree with most of the, of the posts that I see that reference scripture on there. That don't mean because I don't share it don't mean that I don't love him. But we have to live courageously. 
We have to have the hope that what I do today will affect someone tomorrow. And we have to realize that that statement is also true to the negative. Do I tell you not to steal and then I go steal? That will affect someone too. And we have to stop looking to someone else to blame for my actions. If I don't go to heaven, folks, it's nobody's fault but Rob Hale. It's not your fault. It's not my mom and dad's fault. It's not my grandparents' fault. It's not the government's fault. It's my fault. And we have to start taking responsibility for, number one, our actions as Christians. We have to start taking responsibility for our actions as Americans. And we fumbled. For 50 years, we fumbled. It's time that we recovered the ball and started going in the other direction. And that starts with a, well, as we finish up, Matthew 19, 26. Kind of got off, off course there. Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I believe that. And I believe that if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray that he will hear their voice from heaven and heal their land. I believe that. I believe, as Jeremiah said, that if we will seek out the old paths, that this nation and us as individuals will have rest for our souls. I believe the Bible, what it says, that it's true. It's the only hope that I have for salvation as an individual. It's the only hope that we have for guidance and salvation as a nation. And it begins with accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hearing the gospel and believing it. And that causing repentance, the desire to repent of your sin come into your heart, conviction. And then you confess Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're buried with Him in baptism, as the Scripture says, for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you raise that new creation and you walk forward faithful until Christ returns or work all the way in death. Now maybe you've done those things. Maybe a little something I've said this morning, so scripture that we've read has made you realize I need to get myself back in the right relationship with God. And that's wonderful. Do that. You don't owe me nothing. You don't have to come to me. If you want to come to me for support, you're welcome. But your problem, your relationship with God is yours, not mine. I just encourage you, if it needs repair, to repair it. And then move forward. Be hopeful. Be strong of good courage as Paul wrote. Be brave. Let us not any longer stand as a people that are ashamed to tell what our hope for the future is. And what our hope for our children is. This nation was founded on those beliefs. There is nothing that's going to save or continue this nation to be as we know it to move forward except the foundation that God has laid. Like Jesus told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church.
And that foundation is the truth of God's word. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you have a decision to make this morning, if you're on Facebook or watching on YouTube and, and you have a decision that you need to make, contact me. Uh, church phone number is in the phone book. You can Google it. 606-878-0752 uh, is the church phone number. Call it. We will get together. As I said, there is no restrictions, no pandemic, nothing short of me having two broke legs that will get between me and you and a baptistry and a confession. And if that happens to me, we've got plenty of good men that can follow me up. And I say that to you this morning. If you've never accepted Christ, our hymn of invitation this morning is, Why do you wait? Why do you wait? Are you waiting for things to get better in the United States of America? Before you do that? Are you waiting for some sin that you're wanting to do before you do that? Is it really worth the risk? And I don't, you may not know this, Wednesday night before church, Wednesday afternoon before church, there was a lady and her husband, I presume, was heading toward Corbin. She never made it to Corbin. She never made it past that walnut tree that's right down there in the straightaway. She died right there in the road from her injuries of an auto accident. Tragic thing. The most tragic thing is, and I don't have a clue, okay, so I'm not saying, but what if that lady was not a Christian that had said, you know what, in, a, in another year, I'm going to accept Christ. I, I'm, I'm ready to settle down and do that. What if that was her attitude? Is that not a tragedy? Now, I pray and hope that she knew Jesus Christ is her Savior. And it was just her time to be called. We cannot take a risk in this nation any longer of putting off that which is obvious to anyone that wants to spend eternity in heaven. You just can't do it. Because you are consciously choosing hell over heaven. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Why do you wait? The first and second verse. If you have a decision to make, would you come as we stand and sing?